Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic. Found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Lynn Coplitz caught a first wave of success hosting or co-hosting TV shows the likes of Change of Heart, How to Boil Water, and Life in Style. The stylish comedian became friends with the late great Joan Rivers while paired up in the IFC comedy Z-Rock, and later became a recurring character on Joan and Melissa, Joan Knows Best. Coplitz more recently was seen on the big screen in Chris Rock's Top 5 and the small screen in Louis C.K.'s Horace and Pete. And she dedicated her first Netflix comedy special, Hormonal Beast, to her mentor, Joan Rivers. Coplis tells all to me, so let's get to it. So, Lynn Coplitz, uh, last things first, I just watched your Netflix special. You watched it? Hormonal Beast, yeah. And so I have to ask you, did you really have a fight with Netflix about giving out your address? It wasn't a fight. They just, um, they just, I just asked them and they said no. <laughs> but you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny. <laughs> I mean, so instead I just tell people that I, I'm on Sullivan Street. Right. I mean, is, you gave them enough details. Street. Yeah, they have enough. I mean, it, it's not that hard to find if people want to find you. Uh. <laughs> I mean, my mailman once from here was like, mm-hmm. Lynn, I think you got some really odd mail. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. And it was written like in crayon. It was like some scary letter. Was it fan mail? No, it was like a, a scary, like, I want to fuck you letter in crayon. Oh. It was meant to kind of intimidate me, but I was like, whatever. Yeah, you don't seem very intimidated. No. I no. say in the act. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I think that was one of the things that made your appearance in the movie Top 5 such a No, that up. wasn't in there, though. No, but I mean, the, one of the that things that made... That wasn't in there. But what... One of the things that made your your appearance in, in top five stand out was just the fact that you're not you're like a very strong presence on stage. So when it oh, thank so you. when it cuts to you, people pay attention. They're just they're not just like oh they're showing comedy in the background as Chris Rock is. I'm sorry. Around. See, and it, it proves that because I just kept interrupting you. And you didn't even get your sentence out. Um, yeah, I will I, compliment you eventually. Thank you. No, I mean you know. That was funny because I was, you know, I live a block away from the comedy cellar where right. we are. Bye, you're welcome. <laughs> I just gave Lenny Marcus's wife a, an outfit, <laughs> oh. thanking me. Um, but uh, I was like in bed, and the managers from here, Val and Linda, wrote mm-hmm. me and said, "Chris is looking for you. He wants to put you in top five. And I'm like, "Can you say I'm in the bathroom?" <laughs> And my girlfriend was staying. She was going to watch my dog. I was going on the road the next day. And she's mm-hmm. like helping me put makeup on. And I'm literally running back over here. Oh, my goodness. And I walk in and Chris goes, hey, great. <laughs> and he's like, I'm sending Lynn down. And I didn't even know what I was going to be doing. I just, I, I figured I was going to be like way in the background. Mm-hmm. And I just started doing the act. And um, somebody, people started, some guy heckled me from the audience. Like central, central casting dude heckled me. And... Was I that have part this of huge the plan, Panasonic. Or? No, but I don't. I didn't know, and I have a Panasonic camera on me, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't. I've never been in a movie, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I just said, I'm going to handle it the way I would. Mm-hmm. So I just said, Shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> and um, then I see Chris's head pop from over the camera, and he goes, Is somebody heckling her? <laughs> and um, I get upstairs, 
and there's all these. My phone has blown up from like Dean Edwards and everyone that was in the room, mm-hmm. going, "You just got heckled by somebody who got paid fifty dollars to not heckle you." <laughs> That's crazy. It was pretty funny. Is that part of the reason that you live so close to the cellar? Is just so you can pop over at a moment's notice? Yes, Sean. That's it. <laughs> no, I've lived there like twenty-two years. Oh, I mean, okay. twenty-three years. I've lived there way before I was past at the cellar. It was just serendipitous. It was a huge blessing that I, I happened to live so close. So, wait, when you moved to Sullivan Street... Yeah. Were you thinking someday I'll no. get to play at the cellar? No. What I were you thinking e- back I mean, then? It wasn't even a comic. What were you then? It was longer than 22 years. It had to have been like 20... I've been in New York 24... Yeah, it had been like 23 years ago. Okay. Um. Yeah, I was an actress, and in, and I was working at a production company, and I was just thinking, this is the coolest part of New York. And I, I had been living in Chelsea, and I, I was single, as I am now, and I, I and I was just like, okay, but I was young and new to New York, and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I gotta get out of Chelsea. Like, I could walk around naked down here, and nobody would even <laughs> notice me unless I had bad shoes on, so I was like, I can't do this. So, what was, what was Greenwich Village like in the mid-90s? It was awesome, just like it is now, but... Um, you know, probably just a little more dangerous. I mean, my, my block was full of drug dealers, and um, and I loved I loved my block. And, and when I when I called my landlord in Chelsea to mm-hmm. say I don't want to live there anymore, um, I said I'm sorry, I just need to live higher up because I was on the ground floor. And he's like, Well, if I could put you on second or third floor, I don't want to lose you as a as a tenant. So I said, All right. He goes, How about the village? And I said. I'll look at it. Yeah. And I used to shop, still do, uh-huh. at a store on Thompson. Oh, wow. And as I crossed through the park, I thought, oh, no, God, if this is what I think it is. <laughs> and then I hit Sullivan, and I'm like, oh, God, I want to live here. And I was so excited. And I took the apartment, even though it was like twice the money the other apartment was. And, you know, I've always just had great faith. And I just said, you know, it'll work out. And all my friends were like, what are you doing? Like, this right. is like $1,000 more than you have. And two days before I moved in, I got a roommate. But my whole life is like that. I have great faith. Now, did you grow up in the South, or did you just end up in the South before New York? I was, I was born in Long Island, and um, we left my dad when I was about seven, and I grew up in Florida. Okay. Which is kind of South. Yeah. And then I went to school in Alabama in college. And then you ended up in Tennessee after that? I lived in Tennessee for a while. I lived in Georgia for a while. I lived, uh, yeah, I lived all over Tennessee, Nashville, Knoxville. Cookville. And at that time you were Every thi- bill. <laughs> and at that time you were thinking about being an actress, not a comedian. I was I was an actress. Yes, I went to performing arts high school in in Florida, and um, I came here to be an actress. No, I had no. I mean, deep down in my soul, Broadway I wanted to be or? a comic. God and I knew I wanted to be a comic, but mm-hmm. no one else knew. <laughs> um, but I was like, you know, twenty eight years old and. By the time my friends approached me and said, we think you should be a comedian, I was 30. And I'm like, I don't think you can just be a comedian at 30. Yeah, because I've been doing comedy about 20 years. Okay. Like, really doing it. And um, and then prior to that, probably another 20 years, 15 years of it being an actress. And um, doing dinner theater and stuff like that, regional theater, summer stock, stuff like that. So when you came here, you were thinking Broadway musicals, maybe? Or? I'm not musicals. I'm not, I'm not musical. Oh. I'm, I'm not a triple threat. <laughs> I'm barely just a threat. Um, I just seem to remember when I moved to New York 10 years ago, being on those Comedy Cellar cruises, and you and Dan Anderman were trading songs. 
I know I like to sing, but but I, I can't sing. Oh. Um, Natterman can sing. <laughs> uh, I usually like give Natterman the song, and then mm-hmm. he sings it. Um, I'm like afternoon delight. <laughs> if he doesn't remember the words, mm-hmm. I'm like skyrockets in flight. <laughs> um, but. No, I just thought I was going to be an actress, and I tried that for about two weeks, and I was like, I'm going to die on the streets here if I try to keep doing this. And I got a job at a production company that I didn't know how to do, and mm-hmm. I would call the editing house every day, and they would tell me how to do it. And What was the moment when your friends who were trying to convince you to do comedy, what was the moment when you said, okay, I'll do it? I mean, what was that they, tipping point? They, they just brought, they were coordinators at this production company, mm-hmm. and they said, I said, I don't think you can just do comedy. And they were like, weirdly enough, you can. And we had a MN, you know, Manhattan Neighborhood Network mm-hmm. show that we were doing. Oh, okay. Public and, um, access, yeah. Yeah, a public access show with a character I was doing. It was like a, a comedic character. What was the character? Her name was Rebecca. And she talked like this. And it was a cooking show. It was called Stirred Up. <laughs> and we stirred up issues and food. <laughs> And my best friend was a girl named Ethel. Mm-hmm. My best friend's name was Lee, but the character was Ethel. And mm-hmm. she was really pretty the first episode and the mm-hmm. second episode. And she was really funny and getting laughs. The second episode, I, I made her a mute and I put <laughs> sticks in her hair and dirt on her face. <laughs> How'd she feel about that? She was okay with it. She was new to our job and she just mm-hmm. wanted new friends. So she did whatever <laughs> I told her. <laughs> and then her and the producer of the show... So we want you to be a comic, and they researched it because mm-hmm. that's what we did. They did as coordinators, and they said, you know, you can go to an open mic. And I went to Gladys's uh, Hamburger yeah, Harry's yeah. Uh, open mic, and um, I was doing this raunchy, horrible material I wrote. My mother flew here from Virginia. My father was in Long Island; he was alive. Both my dads were alive, and my. Um, they were all telling me the last minute, you know, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. And I'm like, no, I want to. And that's when Gladys's open mic would get like a hundred and some odd people and you'd sign up. Yeah, that was the really popular open mic in the And mid-90s. I went and I had this, I had a, a crazy cat at the time and I'd written a horrible act. Like it was five minutes of the worst material I've ever heard. It was like, it was all about like, and I had taken uh, D.F. Sweetler's comedy writing class and, um, but I, it was just so bad. It was all about like gerbils up the butt and like stuff that I thought was comedy, you know, but mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't me. And my mom, I remember my mom sitting in my bed and going, is this funny? <laughs> and I'm like, it, it better be. I'm doing it. And my mom was like, okay, but it, it doesn't sound like you at all. And we're at the open mic and my mom leaned over and she goes, we can leave right now and go get a lobster. And I'm like, No. I'm going to do it, but I can't do this act. And I put, mm-hmm. the, I, I wadded it up and put it in my mother's hand. And my mom goes, oh, my God, you don't have anything. What are you going to do? And I'm like, I'll be okay. And I went up and talked about my cat. And I was just myself. I said a prayer. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I talk about blowjobs, but I'm, I'm a very prayerful person. <laughs> and I said, you okay, God. You still do God. talk about blowjobs. I do, but I, I still pray a lot. Right. And, um, and I just went out and did it. And it was the beginning of many, I mean, every door that would not open as a, actress opened as a comedian I mean within a year of doing it I had a uh, deal with NBC a casting deal and I had auditioned for SNL and it was like it was cool wow how did I know you're like wow why isn't your career farther (laughs) no how did everything happen so fast though I don't know things have always worked out for me like that Mm -hmm. you know um, even recently like I had a, a weird lull for a long time and then I go in a place and I say to God okay I'm ready and 
you know, and I, I sit and wait. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got, I was coming back from a yoga studio when I got the call. <laughs> it said, hey, Lynn, this is Mike Berkowitz. Can you open for Louie at MSG Monday? And I'm coming back from a yoga studio in Jersey mm-hmm. with little what's-his-name driving. I can't remember his name. And I I said, uh, do you know who Mike Berkowitz is? Because he's a manager. Yeah, he manages agent, a, agent. agent whatever. Yeah. He, he, Booking agent, yeah. He manages, a, you know, he's agent to uh, Louis C.K. And, and I go, Louis C.K.? What, what does MSG mean? And he goes, Madison Square Garden? And I was like, oh, shit. So I, I handed his girlfriend my phone, and I'm like, am, am I crazy, or did I just get asked to open for Louis C.K. and Madison Square Garden? And she goes, yeah. Because I'm thinking Louis Katz at a Chinese restaurant. Like, I mean, I had no idea. And um, so I wrote back, like, fuck yes, I'll do it. Yeah. How much do I have to pay you? And he's like, no, you're going to get paid. I'm like, awesome. And um, I got there, and Louis's like, have you ever played this many people? And I had once for opening for Lewis Black, but it was an outdoor, it was like South by Southwest or something. And um, I said, no, not in an arena. I haven't played an arena like this. And uh, I was terrified, but I did okay. So it was exciting. And then he called me again. And the next call, I think, was, you, can you be in Chicago in three hours? We need you <laughs> to be three at... three hours? No, I needed, in three hours, I needed to be at Teterboro Airport. Okay. And I said, okay. Meanwhile, I have a 15-year-old sick dog and... I'm at the dog run going, uh, what do I do? And everyone's like, go home and pack. We've got the dog. So I went and did that. I'm at the Chicago Theater three days. It was amazing. It's been an amazing year. Well, let's go, back to, let's go back to that first year, though, when you said you got all this stuff that was happening. I know. With the deals. I've talked about all that so much. Well, I want to know when that stuff didn't pan out the way you thought it might. No, it did pan out. It panned out a lot for years. And then I, I, I was on a... Uh, I hosted some TV shows, right. and um, I mean, I worked pretty and... steady for a while. Yeah, and then um, I was on a, a TV show with Joan Rivers, and then uh, when that failed, Joan and Melissa put me on their reality show. And what, then, what was the show with Joan that didn't work? Well, I mean, I mean, it was two. It, it worked for two years. It okay. Was, it was a, a show on the IFC channel called Z Rock. Oh, right, where you were the manager of the band with yeah, Big yeah, J. Okerson. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, and one of the guys in the band just passed away. Actually, it was sad. But um, how did you how did you initially meet Joan and Melissa? Was it I'd through met that? I Melissa or? years before, and it was like you should meet my mom. She would love you. Um, I met one of Cosby's daughters, same thing, you know, but it was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And then um, I did the pilot for the show, and they reached out to Joan to do it, and Melissa was like, Mom, that's the girl. And uh, Joan watched it and really liked me and said, in the pilot, and said, I'll do it if I can work with that woman. Mm -hmm. So they made me, they made her my aunt. Very nice. And it was fun. I mean, it was... It was a real blessing, and it really turned things around for me. And then, um, and then after that, I guess then after Joan passed away, then I met up with Jenny McCarthy, and I got I auditioned for that epic special. I got the, yeah, I got the. It was a dirty, tour. Dirty, it was sexy, a tour. funny. Dirty, sexy, funny tour. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a lot of a lot of dirty jokes for my taste for a long mm-hmm. time. Like I, I, I found that uh, doing dirty comedy for four years was like more than enough for me. I mean, I, I mean, I, I am a, I am a blue comic, right. but 
I don't want to have to be, you know. I mean, we would have our discussions like, can you do more ball jokes up front? And I was like, oh, Jesus. Really? <laughs> more ball jokes? Yeah. Just what the world needs. Exactly. But when I, when, I, when I talked to you about everything happening so fast and then you joked that, and look where you are now... What about the, no? What I just you, mean it like it, why it do like you say levels. That? No, because I'm I'm not on a show right now. No, but I mean I, you know, everybody feels that way. If you talk right. to Chris Rock, he would be like, "I wish I was doing more movies." Like, we all. I mean, I'm I'm aware that I've had a great amount of success, and I'm mm-hmm. really blessed for it, and I'm thrilled and to even be here and like just hugging Dave Chappelle. You know, like right. I, I'm fully aware of how great my life is. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying, you know. Sean, what do you want from me? I'm 50. I've had time to reflect. Reflecting is horrible. Well, that's that's what my podcast is, is I about. I hate reflecting. It's about reflecting. And I fucking hate reflecting. <laughs> I, you should have you been more upfront before you brought me on your fucking podcast. I hate reflecting. Reflecting is, is, is horrible. You get to look at all the dumb decisions you made. Well, I'm more interested in how you overcome those down periods when you're like, I don't, I'm not happy with where my career is. I think it should be here. How come this person has this and I don't? How do you? How do I don't you? do that. I never say how come this person okay. has this and I don't. I never do that. I never. The one thing I am proud of is I never compare myself to other people. I'm so happy that everyone has what they have, and um, you know, to, I think that's a ridiculous thing to do to say. How come they have it and I don't? Well, you'd have to dig into their fucking life mm-hmm. and their choices, and you know. Who knows? You know, we all know this business isn't all about talent. It isn't all about ambition. It's about a combination of all of it, you know, and a combination of perseverance and just not giving up. I mean, in Joan's special, one of, I mean, documentary, one of the best things her agent says, if you stand out in the rain long enough, you get hit by lightning more than once. And, and Joan has never been dry. And, you know, it, it actually makes me emotional because it's really true. I mean, I was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I, I stood and cried through the whole thing. And I was on a date, and the guy's like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm not okay. Like, this, I picked a really hard life. Like, I'm, I'm walking around, and I'm looking at, like, you know, TWA napkins that have Walk This Way written on it. And, like... I'm, I'm looking at shoes that Jimi Hendrix wore that have huge holes in the bottom of them and sweaters that are, like, ripped and shredded that belong to Janis Joplin. And I'm like, these people had everything and nothing. You know what I mean? Like, right. artists are tortured people, and comics are no different. So how, do you, how have you persevered? I watch a lot of television from my youth, <laughs> and I pray a lot, mm-hmm. and I count my blessings a lot. And I just kind of tell God and the universe, I'm not leaving. So work around me if you must. What shows from the 70s bring you peace? I'm a, I'm a big fan of All in the Family. Okay. Big fan of Good Times. Yeah. Big fan of Father Knows Best, weirdly. I didn't watch Father Knows Best. I watched that a lot when I was little. Um, and, you know, my mom and dad divorced, so, like, I think it gives me, like, a sense of, like... Okay. Roseanne. I like Roseanne. Um... You know, and I put them on in the background while I'm doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I organize my closet a lot. That usually calms me down. Organization calms me down. I, and I spend a lot of time with my dog. I'm blessed to have my dog. And I'm, I mean, I, and I'm really blessed to live in New York. I mean, when I have bad days, I always say, you know, you could be having this bad day in Arkansas. And that's nothing against Arkansas. But... You've lived in Arkansas? 
No, I've been there. I love oh. it. It's beautiful. But I've been to Eureka Hot Springs. That's nice. But you know, there. my point is, is look, it, when you're in New York, if you look out your window, every mm-hmm. window is a possibility. And I've lived in parts of Alabama, and I, my sister lives in Bangor, Maine. And you look out the window, and you don't see other windows for a long time. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and when you're in a depressive state, that can get more depressing. Right. You feel. You feel extra alone if you if you if you choose something like this if you have a creative you know where you want this as a career I'm, I don't think it is if you have a family and you know she's my sister's very happy but but she doesn't have her she's always just wanted to be I mean not just she's always wanted to be a great mom and she is and that brings her great peace and happiness so that's terrific I, I don't for me, that was never going to bring me peace and happiness, ever. But I'm pretty happy, you know. And yeah. I'm I'm pretty lazy too. Like I'm not an ambitious person. Were you ever when you ambitious? were younger? Yeah. Um. Yes, it kind of ignorantly ambitious. Like I, I would go for things, and I still get like that. Like I mean, I I have projects I'm working on, and I have things that I work on, and. And I, I kind of know in my heart when I finish them, if I finish them, then something will come of it. You know, I, I really believe that. But um, I but I, I take time to smell the roses or play with my dog or, you know, like you. I saw you here, but I had a, I knew I had an appointment with you, but I haven't seen Godfrey. So I stop and hug Godfrey. Like I've never been a big one for like I, I try and go with what feels right at that very second. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, well, I'm wondering how much. Has your was your people would say that's ADD, but how how much would you say that's that's a testament to your relationship with Joan and ha- and having her pass away? I don't understand the question. What do you mean? In terms of your the outlook you have now versus what it might have been before. Well, I think I've always had this outlook. Mm-hmm. Um, what Joan what what Joan gave me that I didn't have was a stronger work ethic. Um, an appreciation for how hard it is to mm-hmm. work in this business and to take every single job. I, I'd never say no to Comet to work now. I I never put my own personal time over stand-up. Every now and then I'll put something a friend needs over it, but never what I need. Like, I'll never say I need to sleep so I can't do a spot or I need, you know, I, I don't do that. I won't say, you know, this year I was 50 and my friends basically bullied me into taking my birthday off. <laughs> but Joan used to um, always be like, be happy you're working on your birthday. And I was like, start the year off with work. So, like, I, I mean, when she died, I had a spot here and I asked you, was like, do you want me to cancel you? And I said, no, no, you can't cancel it. And I worked the whole weekend. She passed away because, you know, it was like an homage to her. And then I, um, Weirdly enough, it, it, it just has it's continued since she was gone, and I really and the special I dedicated to her. Right, you saw that. Yeah. How, how did you feel about your portrayal on the show with Joan and Melissa? I mean, it was. I was so appreciative to have the work that, um, and I know how much they both love me. I said it like Joan's still here. I'm sorry, I get the clinic yeah. when I talk about her. Don't make me talk about her. And the lighting's weird in here. 
Well, um, this isn't video, so it's okay. What? This isn't video, so it's fine. I, uh... I could hear some of Joan in, in your special. Yeah, I saw it. I, I, I was looking at it going, wow, even the flowers on the, on, on the bar, you know, look like her. Um, you know, and, you know, someone said that they also heard Louis Black, you know, who also mentored me. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think... I think I do a good job of keeping my own voice, but you can't help but sound... You can't help but reflect the people who influenced you, you know? Um... Well, I also wonder if you ha- if you feel any sort of... But we were of- always similar, Joan and I. Right, but I, I wonder if you also feel s- some responsibility to carry on her legacy through your work. No, not Not to be the next... I can't carry on her legacy. I can't. Those are shoes I can't fill. And um, her daughter carries on her legacy. Quite lovely. In a, in a great way, actually. And... Uh, I mean, I've never seen anyone be as gracious or as beautiful as Melissa Rivers was at Jones' funeral. I mean, if I could be a quarter of like that when my mother dies, it was... I've never seen anyone be so generous or gracious, and I didn't know what to say to her, and I kept saying, God, just... If Mel, if Mel and I have time alone, give me the right thing to say. And um, we were alone, and I, I turned, and I just said, you're, you're your mother's daughter. And she started crying, and I was like, hmm. and I said, you really are in every sense of the word. You really are. And she was like, oh, Lynn, that's a sweet thing to say. And I'm like, I, I, it just came to me, and I know it's true. Um, but no, I know they made fun of me a lot. But it's somebody, there always has to be somebody on a show that plays that character. There's got to be a buffoon. There's got to be a Kramer. There's got to right. be, you know. And we were all like family, and they loved me so much, and I... You know, I had a say on everything. I never had to do anything I didn't want to do. And um, there was a time when I said to Danny, our executive producer, really, I'm going to be naked again? Like, <laughs> I'm the most out of shape person in the whole cast, and this is the fourth time I'm naked? Like, surely we could think of something funnier than me being naked again? And then Joan called, and she's like, listen, Cookie. <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll do it. I'm going to hear Joan laughing. I would just say, I, I would melt. She's like, it's so funny. <laughs> and we really got each other's humor. We really, you know, we really enjoyed each other a lot. And everyone always say to me, like, Does, was Melissa jealous? I'm like, no, if anything, Melissa was sometimes jealous of her mother spending time with me, not me with Like, you know, right. I mean, we, we got, Melissa and I get each other a lot. So, like, there was always... Always, um, Mel would be like, huh? You doing a podcast? Yes. Yeah, Donnell. Donnell Raleigh. Donnell I just want to say hi. House. What's up? I just ran up on you like that. You look a good girl. And if anybody out there that ever seen me or heard me, take it in the face. I'm rich, bitch. Keep doing your thing, boo. <laughs> Great actor. Hilarious comic. Donnell Rawlings. Donnell Rawlings, everybody. That's what happens when you do a podcast in the, uh, near the front door of the comedy cellar. Is People just walk in. You know, when I was a kid... Even on a I Sunday used, afternoon. When I was a kid... Well, Sunday afternoon's becoming the big spot now. Yeah. But um, when I was a kid, I used to watch Evening at the Improv. The A&E, yeah. No, not A&E. Wasn't A&E's Evening at the Improv? No. Evening oh. at the Improv in, in the 70s, 80s, mm. it was like... Um, I don't know. It was on ABC or something. Okay. And Bud Friedman would stand up and wave to everybody. <laughs> 
<laughs> and and I wanted so badly to be on that. I thought that was so cool. And the first time my name was on the marquee there, I almost wrecked my car. On Melrose? Yeah, because they used to, at the beginning of Evening of the Improv, they would show the marquee. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, and now I found I'm going to be on another billboard with the Netflix special. Oh, yeah, because Netflix knows how to promote. Yeah, Yeah, but it's in L.A. I'm like, I want a New York billboard. See, that's you where my life ti- is. That's where I am. That's <laughs> You're where like, I am. how come I'm not in Times Square? Like, I'm pissed that I'm not. I'm, or or just, uh, just a phone booth. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you, you'll have lots of friends taking pictures of your yeah, they're all Yeah, it's already set up. <laughs> they're all taking it. They get more excited than I do. I mean, I've already been getting screenshots of the promos on mm-hmm. on Netflix. Everyone's like, oh, my God. When you when you were watching uh, Evening at the Improv, do you remember like those first people you watched? Yeah, David Brenner, mm-hmm. Rosie O'Donnell, um, uh, I think Leno, uh, Seinfeld. I, but I definitely remember David Brenner. I remember him really well. Um, Elaine Boozler, uh, Rita, Rita Rudner, uh, Kathy Ladman. Yeah, I remember real well. And now people are going to remember you. Hopefully, there's it young, always weirds young me out girls when out someone's there. like, you know. I saw your Comedy Central presents back yeah, in yeah, yeah, 2005. Yeah. I love the pink dress. <laughs> They'll love this dress more. Yeah, it's very, it's very throwback. Kind of the whole thing, like, has a reminiscent of like the late. Well, I'm really fat now, so I wanted to be like. I was like, what can. <laughs> Who else is overweight, mm-hmm. but like has been able to rise above it? You know, because I don't have an ugly face. So I was like, "What can I do?" So I decided I'll do like I'll be the comedy Adele. <laughs> so that's what I, I that's what I tried to copy. Lynn Coblitz. I don't have an ugly face. Yes, I wanted to be like a comedy diva, Ooh. and I think I, I you think I did a, a good job diva. of being yeah. a comedy diva. Yeah. It was kind of like, like it, you know, I was like, if Mariah Carey and Beyonce were com- com- comedians, mm-hmm. and Adele was a comedian, like, what would their set look like? <laughs> that's how, that's where, what would they wear? That's how it came to be. What were the fans about? Because it's called Hormonal Beast. Oh, so you need the fans just to keep your body temperature? Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you, Sean? What were the fans about? It's called Hormonal Beast. <laughs> There's big industrial fans on stage. And I'm and I'm I'm I'm, I'm fanning myself. <laughs> what I loved was everything I asked for. They got for me. That was kind of cool. That is cool. So now that you have a Netflix special, like what is what is on the horizon for you now? You did you did say yeah. you have a crazy bucket list. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, no, I do, but I don't want to talk about. It. That's the act. I don't want to do the act. No, but is there is there stuff like on your kind of career bucket list now? Yeah, like- I'm going to work at TSA. <laughs> I really do think that looks like a cool job. I'd be good at it. Yeah? Yeah. Well, you are a people person. I like, I'm bossy. Yeah. That's why I would, I would be good. Excuse me. Take your belt off. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a bottle of water? Yeah, you haven't been able to have that for five years. Thank you. Please throw that out. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, you know, you, you told me earlier about the advice you got from Joan. If you... If if a young woman comes up to you and asks you for advice about comedy, what what would you think would be the most important thing to tell her? Well, 
A couple things. I think I think one piece of advice that every young comic is given is if you can do anything else, do it. You know, because you, ha- you to be a comic, to be an artist, to be an actor, you have to have a burning desire to do it. Because you have to give up a lot of things to do this. And in the beginning, when you're on the road a lot by yourself, I mean, you're, you're literally like a monkey. Like, you're like a caged monkey. Like, you go to your hotel room, you stay in your room all day, then you're brought out of your cage to go perform for the people, you go back in your room, you know? Like, it's just... Um, so you spend a lot of time with yourself. And um, if you don't know who you are, people make you who they want you to be. That's good advice for this business. That's probably good advice for life. Um, and I think... Uh, I think courage and stupidity make very good traveling companions, and you just always have to ask yourself, what, you know, who's ruling this choice I'm making? <laughs> Is it courage or stupidity? And um, and I think persevere. Don't let anything keep you down. Like if you know that you can do it, then just keep doing it. But the weird thing about show business in general mm-hmm. is that sometimes you're in the right neighborhood on the wrong street like mm-hmm. I was an actress and I wanted to be so bad and I, I was so rigid about it but the truth was was uh, comedy was where I was more authentic it was more me it was more true and real and I mean I know that to be fact because when I do comedy it people just responded to it better than when I would act. Um, they still do. Partly because it's just, it's more authentic for me. It's just, it's a truer voice. So I, I would say to people to be to be pliable too, be willing to like, don't be so rigid. Like, right, don't be stubborn. Yeah, Persevere, don't be stubborn. but don't be stubborn. I mean, be, try everything out. Be able out. to adapt. Yeah, you definitely have to adapt if you're going to be a comedian. I mean, and and I also, one of the things I did, and like I said, I mean, I, I have great people like Lewis Black and Joan Rivers and everyone giving me advice, but I think I think you should always bite off more than you can chew. And try really? not to choke. It's like just dive in, even if Always you don't bite know off you're... more than you can chew and just and try and swallow slowly. <laughs> because... You you know I was I was always doing one hour spots when I had forty five minutes <laughs> and just stretching your and, and abilities. yeah I mean fear will well, do even a from crazy that first thing time you know, when you are seeing, you're trying so yeah well yeah. you did that even from the very beginning yeah you threw threw away your set and just went up and winged it I'm just gonna do it yeah um, well, I'm glad to see you persevere yeah but that's one of those times who ruled was it courage or stupidity I mean. <laughs> When you when you when you land on your feet, it's courage. When you fall on your face, it's stupidity. So. Well, as we've learned, you don't have an ugly face, so it's uh, thank you. A lot more courage than stupidity. There's some real. Um, I feel like this is a real deep thoughts podcast. <laughs> I like it. Me too. Thanks so much, Lynn. Thanks, Shawnee. <laughs> This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Gigglechick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening.
Last things first. Last things first.